You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 3. And we'll be spending our day today there in the first eight verses. John chapter 3, give you a moment to turn there. Again, the first eight verses. I'm excited to see where God will take us today as well. Let me just say this as we start. Christians are not just nice people. Now listen carefully. They are supposed to be new people. Christians are not just, Anthony Hokima said this, Christians are not just nice people. They are supposed to be new people. That is the theme for today. On the same note, It has been said that the gospel of Jesus Christ, or the reason Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose again, was not to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. Now, there's a massive difference between morality and eternal life. I'll say it again. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about making bad people good. It's not what this is about right now. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about making dead people alive. And with that, we continue in the second week of the Holy Spirit. And today our topic, our sermon title is this, the Holy Spirit and regeneration. The Holy Spirit and regeneration. Now, regeneration is a big word to some, but it needs to be a beautiful word to all. And the reason we're in the second week on this topic of the Holy Spirit and regeneration is because all of spiritual life begins with the instantaneous event of regeneration, which is only accomplished by the Holy Spirit of God. So all of spiritual life, as it pertains to us, begins with the doctrine of regeneration, which is hand-in-hand fully tied to uh, the person of the Holy Spirit within the Trinity. So let us learn about the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration because that is what it is. C.S. Lewis, in his book, his foundational book called Mere Christianity, he distinguishes between two kinds of life. And he defines these two different kinds of life with two Greek words. One being bios, the second one being zoe. He goes on to explain every single person ever born has the bios life, where we get our word biological from. Every person ever born has a physical life. They have a biological life within them. But then he says, but zoe life is different. Zoe life describes the spiritual life, listen, which only God can give when we are what the Bible calls born again, another term for regeneration. Born again can also be translated born from above. So you have the biological life, bios, the spiritual life, Zoe, and he goes on to say that these two lives are not just different, they actually oppose one another. Because the bios life is essentially self-centered. Where the zoe life, the spiritual life, is actually God-centered and therefore is others-centered as well. 
Let me summarize by putting this on the screen for those who are trying to catch up with what we're saying. C.S. Lewis says the bios life is a physical life, essentially self-centered. The other kind of life that we dwell on today, the most important life, the life that matters, the life that brings spiritual life to us, is the Zoe life, spiritual, eternal, God-centered, and others-centered. Now see this, and this is for so many here right now. Only God, by His Holy Spirit, can produce Zoe through what the Bible calls regeneration. Only God can produce spiritual life. We cannot produce spiritual life in and of ourselves. So this is where the Holy Spirit and regeneration become everything. Because there is no true spiritual life apart from regeneration. Now some might be a little bit still confused. Let me do another lap around the track and try to get some more people with us. Here's a definition of regeneration. Again, a big word, but it has a very powerful, in some ways, simplistic meaning. It is the secret act of God. It's a secret act of God, the Holy Spirit, because in a sense, it's invisible. You can't hold it. You can't necessarily show people it's of God. It's not of us. We can't produce this. It's the secret act of God, the Holy Spirit, in which He, the Holy Spirit, imparts new spiritual life to us. Again, sometimes this is also called being born again, as we will see in Scripture today, specifically from John chapter 3. There is no true spiritual life apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no true spiritual life apart from the Holy Spirit and therefore regeneration. This takes us to John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Loved ones, Christians are not just to be nice people. They are supposed to be new people. This is what the Bible tells us today. As we read the first eight verses, notice the paramount theme of being born again within this text. Five times in eight verses, this phrase in some form, in some way, is brought up by Jesus. Whenever you're reading scripture and you see something appear five times in eight verses, that is the Holy Spirit saying to you undeniably, this is what this passage is about. Circle it, underline it, highlight it. No, no, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you when you come to scripture and you see something repeated over and over and over again. John 3 verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do, these signs that you do, unless God is with them. And Jesus answered him, here we go, here we go. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, confused, I added that, said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Silly Nicodemus. Oh, that's my insert as well. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is is spirit. You see the theme developing here? Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The term born again is thrown around all over the place in our day. Some use it in a derogatory fashion. Some use it to describe any person who's ever kind of walked into a church. But I want you to see just how biblical this phrase really is, regardless of how you've heard it used in the past. Well, again, what does it mean to be born again? What does it really mean? R.C. Sproul is very helpful here. R.C. Sproul says that to be born again is a second genesis. It is a new beginning. It is a fresh start in life. One theologian describes being born again or regeneration as a spiritual explosion in the heart and soul of a human being. Literally, a spiritual explosion that takes place that quickens that soul to true life in Jesus Christ. When something is started, we say it is generated. If it is started again, it is regenerated. In biblical terms then, Regeneration, being born again, means we go from being spiritually dead human beings to being spiritually alive human beings. So let me say it again. Spiritual life is impossible apart from regeneration. And regeneration, loved ones, is impossible apart from the Holy Spirit of God. And that is precisely why Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus in John 3 and verses 1 to 8. And this leads us now to our outline. We are discovering today the power of Holy Spirit regeneration. Why is Holy Spirit regeneration so powerful, so marvelous, so amazing? Let's find out together point number one of our outline. The reason is this, because in regeneration, I am given spiritual sight. Notice, I am given. I I don't earn this. I can't have this for myself. It must be given to me. I am given spiritual sight. Look at John 3 verse 1. A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews... He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, you're a teacher come from God. We know this. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless... Let's make every word count as we go through this too. And we're going to try to do that, okay? Every word count as we meditate on God's word. By the way, when you're meditating on scripture, one of the definitions of that is make every word count. Why is it there? Holy Spirit, put it here. Sit on it. Discover. Don't just skip over stuff. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in verse 1, we're introduced to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Notice the Bible continues to expand. He's a ruler of the Jews. So what God's Word wants us to know there about this man named Nicodemus, he is religious, Pharisee. He is educated even by his name, Nicodemus, He is influential. He's a ruler of the Jews. Now, we believe, based on other portions of Scripture that speak about Nicodemus, that he came with sincerity to Jesus, but he also came with a background of theological assumption. You see, the Jews believed that by their racial identity, they would enter heaven. So they believed, based on the fact that they were born Jewish, that by their physical birth, that God would gain them access into heaven. Now, what Jesus says next would blow to smithereens this assumption. It would blow it up into pieces. 
So look again at verse 3. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now notice what Nicodemus does. He shows up and he wants to talk to Jesus about Jesus' teaching. He wants to talk to Jesus about Jesus' signs. But Jesus, what he does, he puts all that to the side right away. He's like, we're not talking about my teachings right now. We're not talking about the signs I've done right now. We're going to talk about, Nicodemus, the only thing you need right now. And the one thing you read, yet you need right now, you need to know that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See what Jesus does? He's not concerned with the fluff, man. He talks to him where he is and what he needs most. And Jesus does the same today. He cuts through all the fluff and he comes and meets you and I where we are and he tells us what we need to know the most. Why? Because he loves us so. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, truly, truly, translated in other places, most assuredly, literally, amen, amen. Why does Jesus say that to Nicodemus? Because he means business. He's not wasting words. He wants Nicodemus' attention. What he's about to say, when he says truly, truly, what he's about to say carries such serious significance. And you know, I don't take that for granted today at all. That Jesus speaks to us all today and he says, and to some he speaks directly into your life. And he looks at you spiritually and he says truly, truly, I say to you. Yeah, he said to Nicodemus, but he's saying it to us today too. He's saying it to some very, very specific people here today. That's awesome. That's so, this, this is what the Holy Spirit does takes the words of Jesus Christ and says, truly, truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you. My advice to you is, is that when Jesus begins to speak, pay very close attention because your life could change forever. Notice his very next word here. It's the word unless. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless. Now, unless here becomes Um, Within God's word, in the Greek, it becomes a necessary condition. See, whatever follows from unless is a non-negotiable requirement. So in other words, there are no exceptions to the spiritual equation that follows. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless. Whatever follows from there, it's a spiritual equation which doesn't have any exceptions. You can't negotiate it. Now, what is the spiritual equation that follows? Jesus says, look at verse 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we're learning here, regeneration, being born again, equals spiritual sight. Non-negotiable. No exceptions to this. Where there is no regeneration, then, we also are learning, then there is spiritual blindness. With regeneration, spiritual sight. Without regeneration, spiritual blindness, no exceptions. You're not halfway. You're not partially born. You're either dead or alive. You're either reborn spiritually or you're not at all. You're either regenerated or you're not. You're either uh, filled with spiritual vision or you have spiritual blindness. And in this room right now, there are people with spiritual vision and there are also people with spiritual blindness. This is why Jesus speaks so frankly and so seriously but so lovingly. 
because he cares for us so much. Consider the impact and the implications of Jesus' words when he says, unless you are born again, born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Fundamentally, one of the greatest implications of this statement is this, is this, receive it for what it is, human beings cannot save themselves. So Jesus is saying right here, it's impossible for a human being to create spiritual life within themselves. Now what Nicodemus brings to the table with Jesus as he comes by night, he brings with him religion. He brings with him morality. He brings with him sincerity. He brings with him good deeds. But listen, what Nicodemus also brings to the table with Jesus, he brings his own sin. And where there's sin, there is death, there is bondage, and there is blindness. See, this is, this is why a person can sit in church for weeks, months, years, and even decades. They can sit in church, they can sing in church, they can serve in church, they can even be a member of a church and even a leader in the church and yet not be saved. Because they can play the game of religion, but they've never been truly regenerated and exhibiting and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, which can only be accomplished and produced by God Himself. There are people in this room right now who have never truly been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Yes, there is religion. But there's never been genuine relationship because you and I cannot create that or produce it. Who is it? I don't know. God does. But for every one of us to examine our lives and our hearts and to hear the words of Jesus, you must be born again. Think of the Pharisees themselves. Nicodemus being a Pharisee. The Pharisees looked at Jesus. The Pharisees spoke with Jesus. The Pharisees hated Jesus. Because they were spiritually blind. This is why Matthew 23, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, you are whitewashed tombs. He says, you are beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. You are whitewashed tombs. Show up to church, do the right things, put on the right clothes, say the right language, do the right activities. But in reality... People in this place, and I don't mean to offend anyone in this moment right now, but here you need to know the theological reality of what we're saying right here from John chapter 3. People sitting in this place without regeneration, the reality is they are actually corpses who happen to be in a building called a church. But there's no real life. Because Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But listen, listen. But when the power of regeneration occurs everything changes. Everything changes. When regeneration comes to town, everything is flipped. Life begins. Sight is all of a sudden perceived. Hearing is upon that person. The love they feel, the sense of the Holy Spirit of God, they see their sin. One of the first instances of regeneration is I see my sin for what it is, and then I run to the Savior who can wash me clean from my sin. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, he tried to articulate his life before Christ as a slave ship captain. He, he was the most vile of individuals, most disgusting in his character, most evil in heart. And for reasons he could not explain, 
God the Father looked down upon him, Jesus Christ saved him from his sins. The Holy Spirit quickened his life, regenerated him. He was born again, and he began to try to describe and pen the words to articulate what has occurred in his life. And part of what he wrote down was this, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I I see, you see, this is what he's saying. I can see, I can see, I can see. When regeneration occurs, what do we see? We see the kingdom of God, verse 3. And when you see the kingdom of God, you see the love of God, you see the love of Jesus Christ, you hear the reality that he is the one that gives all life and love and joy and satisfaction and forgiveness and grace and mercy and peace. And no wonder you jump. No wonder you cry. No wonder you fall down. No wonder you can't get over and have to tell all the people around you that you are now alive because Jesus Christ has set you free from sin, death, and Satan. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Regeneration quickens the soul, quickens the mind, allows us to hear and see and love. Everything changes at the moment of Holy Spirit regeneration. I've always loved the story so much of Pastor William Haslam. He was ordained into the Church of England in 1842. Now listen, he was a conscientious, he was a, he was a pastor. Conscientious, serious man, an authority in history and architecture. Probably very moral, very upright, trying to do much good. But sadly, the one thing he wasn't was truly saved. It was in 1851. He was nine years after his ordination. He was nine years as a clergy member in the Church of England. Nine years as a pastor preaching God's word week in, week out. He was preaching from the gospel of the day. His text was, what do you think about the Christ? And it was during his own sermon on this day, listen, that the Holy Spirit opened his spiritual eyes, regeneration, to see the Christ of whom he was speaking. Instantly, his heart was moved to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the amazing part, kind of the funny part too. The change upon the preacher was so obvious that a local preacher who was in church jumped up and shouted, the pastor is converted. And he said, hallelujah, and everyone in the church could see it, and they knew it, and instantly, three to four hundred voices in the congregation began to shout praises. William Haslam himself joined in the praise. The people sang and worshipped and exalted their God over and over again. Just imagine being there that day as the pastor is saved and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. News spread like wildfire. Here's the news. The pastor was converted. Imagine that. Revival broke out lasting three years, filled with God's presence, and the Reverend Haslam, his ministry later ended up being leading other clergy to true faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? What is that? That's the power of Holy Spirit regeneration. What are we learning? We're learning this. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, even as a pastor of a church. Power of Holy Spirit regeneration means that I'm given spiritual sight. And I prove it with the life that I live as evidence He has quickened my soul to life. 
do we have the evidence of true Holy Spirit regeneration in our lives and hearts? Number two, the power of Holy Spirit regeneration, I receive spiritual life. So I'm given spiritual sight, but now I receive spiritual life. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, the response of Nicodemus here is almost comical. In fact, it is a little bit comical. He's suggesting, well, then should a man re-enter his mother's womb and be born a second time? Now, what Nicodemus didn't do here, he did not distinguish between biological birth and spiritual birth. He did not distinguish between the bios life and the zoe life. He did not and could not see the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And the majority of our world lives in this state right now. They cannot differentiate or see the difference between the flesh and the spirit. So many in this world are absolutely obsessed with temporal flesh while they remain completely oblivious to the eternal soul. Notice how much this conversation means to Jesus. He pulls out another, truly, truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you. He's saying, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, listen, listen, you got to hear me. Nicodemus, you must listen to me. Nicodemus, you must understand this truth. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus, when he said these words, he knew very well this would become the word of God. He knows all things. He knew very well the Holy Spirit. Write this down through the Apostle John. He knew that for centuries after he said this, literally billions and billions of people would also hear this phrase, truly, truly, I say to you, he knew, Jesus knew when he said it at that exact moment that at this time, in this year, in this land, in this town, in this room, in your aisle, in your seat, he knew precisely this verse would be said over your life and mine, truly, truly, I say to you. So again, he says it to Nicodemus, but man, he says it. He says it to us. He means what he's saying. Notice in verse 5, Jesus states a necessary condition. Again, he says, unless. So again, whatever follows what Jesus is about to say here is an absolute. There are no exceptions to this. What's the absolute here? Verse 5. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Of God, You know, some people accuse like the, the word of God of being unclear. Some people, it's amazing the words that people focus on what Jesus said and the words that they ignore what he said. How clear is this? How clear? Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what is water and spirit? Water and spirit is not a contrast between physical birth and spiritual birth. Rather, Jesus here is symbolically referring to the Old Testament imagery of spiritual renewal. If you want to be blessed here, check out Ezekiel chapter 36 and, and, and notice, notice the themes carried on from this passage to what Jesus says in John 3 verse 5. Now in verse 24 of this text, what God is saying, he's prophesying he will gather the nations, he will gather his people and notice what he promises to do. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from your idols. 
So we see the water, unless one is born of water, and Jesus says in John 3, and the Spirit, and I will cleanse you, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It is very safe to assume that when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus in verse 5, he is thinking of this text. The prophecy here, the cleansing, the purifying of water, and then the promise of a new heart. How? By the Holy Spirit of God that would enter into his people to remove a heart of stone that is dead and give them a heart of flesh which is alive. Ezekiel 36 is really regeneration in the Old Testament. It is wonderful, it is beautiful, it is so powerful. But let's be crystal clear what we're learning here today. Okay, ready, ready, ready? What are we learning here when Jesus says, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're born from above, unless you are regenerated. Let's be crystal clear. What Jesus is teaching us, ready, ready, ready? It's this. No one is born a Christian. No one has ever been born into this world a Christian because everyone has been born with sin. No one is born saved. So I like to ask people often, talking to them, hey, Sherry, testimony, um, how long have you known Jesus Christ? When did you get saved? Uh, when did regeneration occur? When did you go from death to life? I don't expect you to tell me the exact moment. Some people can. But I'm not looking for that. But when's the season in your life? Because you have to know there's been a difference. There has to be a time. And I understand children can kind of go from one place and gradually in, but there has to be a part of your life where I was dead, but now I'm alive. It's just the theology behind it. When I'm talking to people, hey, when were you saved? I get a little nervous when people say, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. No, you haven't. That's impossible. I've always been a Christian. I'm not trying to offend anyone here right now either. I'm not trying to isolate anyone at all. But I'm just saying, when I hear those things, I just have to gently in those conversations try to say, well, actually, what you just said is I've been a Christian my whole life. That's theologically impossible. You can't, you, you can't be born a Christian. At some point you were dead, and at some point you are alive. Because only the Holy Spirit can give regeneration. If you're here right now in love, as, as, as pastor who loves you, who wants to tell you truth, just as Jesus do right now, if you walked in this place and you've had the thought that I've been a Christian my whole life, you should take stock and really, really think about what does that mean for my spiritual state? The Bible tells us to examine our lives to see whether or not we are in the faith. I'm not asking you to doubt as much as I'm asking you to question. If you think you've always been there, the reality is that's not true. So what is true then? This is what Jesus wants us to see. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Look now at verse 6. Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, you see? And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So what are we learning here? We're learning that flesh can only produce flesh. The Spirit of God can produce spiritual life. I need to say it again. Flesh can only give birth to flesh. That's why um, any system of teaching Christendom, church, religion that teaches, like, let's say, for example, that a child is saved through baptism, that's a work of the flesh, ultimately. That's something we do. The flesh can only give birth to the flesh. The flesh cannot produce eternal life. Uh, John 6, verse 63 on the screen here, Jesus says this, it is the Spirit who gives life. 
The flesh is of no help at all. The flesh is of no avail. Only the Spirit of God can give life. By the way, that, that's our theme for our youth ministry. How awesome is that, eh? Go, Pastor Carl and all his leaders. Love it. Love it. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all because the flesh only gives birth to flesh, but it's the Spirit who gives life to the Spirit. That's exactly why Jesus says what he says in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. But you know what? Nicodemus would marvel. He would marvel because he can't believe that as an ethnic Jew that he wasn't already saved. This is why this is such a fundamental passage on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, notice he says here, unequivocally, so clear, boldly, you must be born again. The word must in the Greek carries tremendous force. Impact behind what Jesus is saying. He's not mincing words. Nicodemus, you must be born again because this is where eternal life is truly found. Kids who are here today, you have to understand your parents cannot save you. Parents, you must understand you cannot save your kids. Be very, very careful in the desire for parents to want their kids to walk with Christ. At times, they convince themselves and their children that they are saved by telling them over and over again and trying to convince them that they are Christians when in reality they might be just as dead as anyone without Christ ever. Be very careful. Be be honest with yourself. You could sentence your child to incredible deception because of your own pride and need to feel better about yourself and the state of your children by pronouncing them saved when they are not. That is a dangerous game to play. God is the one who saves, not you or I. You long for the salvation. Of course you do. You pray for that. Of course you do. At the end of the day, one of the biggest points of freedom and power is to understand you are not God. He is. And you beg him to regenerate because when they do, when they do undergo the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, then you will sit back in awe and wonder and all the fruit you ever wanted to see will be plain before your eyes and you will weep. You will weep in awe and wonder and glory of God as he has transformed your child, your spouse, your family, your loved one, your friend, as only he can. And when God does it, there's no reversal of the new life in Jesus Christ. Spouses, you cannot save your spouse, but God can. But God can. Jesus says, do not marvel. Do not marvel that I said you must be born Again, what I want to do right now is I want to do a little bit of systematic theology when it comes to the doctrine of regeneration. I want you to see just how much this theme is through the Bible, particularly through the New Testament. I pray it'll be a great encouragement to you as well. Okay, so look at some of these verses. What does it mean for the power of Holy Spirit regeneration? Let's just define this in a few ways as we go through Scripture together. This is part of the emphasis, purpose of our series. This is the power of Holy Spirit regeneration. It's this. Um, I'm a new creation. When regeneration comes, that means that by the Holy Spirit, I, I literally go from death to life. I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. By the way, what we're doing right now, this is a Bible study for joy. 
This is a Bible study for overcoming discouragement. This is, this is available to you every day of your life, okay? We're just going to go through the gospel right now. We're just going through the gospel. It lifts you from your trials. Set your eyes above the clouds of the day. Get through the fog that is around us right now. And to see the Son of Jesus Christ shining down upon you. This is available to you right every single day. It's a matter of choosing to focus on what is true as opposed to what is false and lies. So enjoy this process. It's glorious. And I pray it will encourage you greatly right now. It's simple, biblical math of the reality of who we are in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Behold, behold, the new has come. Regeneration means we are new creations. If we're new creations, we will never die. Last time I checked, that's pretty good news, amen? Okay, there'll be some more. There'll be some more chances, all right? Just, just love when the church is fired up with the most important things ever. Hey, next slide, next slide. Look at this, ready? Ready? The power of the Holy Spirit, by the way, I made fun of the 11 o'clock last week and Saturday night last night, so it's your turn, okay? It's your turn, all right? So listen, power of the Holy Spirit regeneration means I'm a child of God, okay? Now listen, now I put some of my own notes in here just so you can see what's happening. I'm a child of God. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, okay? But notice how this happens. It happens when we're born again. When you're born again through regeneration, then you see and receive, believe and receive. This comes first. Who were born not of blood, okay, meaning, this are my notes here, not physical birth. You can't save yourself, the family you come from. Uh, not through the will of the flesh, so not ethnicity, ethnic descent, nor of the will of man, the Bible says, which means not by human effort. So you're not born again by anything of our doing. But notice it says, but you're born again of God. When regeneration comes, then I receive the right to be adopted into God's family. When regeneration occurs, adoption must follow. There's never a situation where regeneration is real and adoption doesn't follow. Regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption. Sometimes these can, these can all happen in a millisecond. That's, that, that's the mystery of it all. God does it. But you can't have one without the other. Regeneration means I'm a child of God. Amen? Amen. Next slide. Next slide. Regeneration means I'm saved. Titus 3. When the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, notice, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Now, who's, who's here for that verse right here, this phrase right here? You, I always want to point this out. Some of you have been under a system of religion your whole life. You have been taught, I get saved by what I do. That's not in the Bible. In fact, that is anti-Bible. Well, I earned my way into heaven. Nope, 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 you don't. Because you'll never do enough to be perfect. You say, where's that in the Bible? Right here. It's right here. Look it, look it. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. We don't save ourselves, but according to his own mercy, God saves us. How? By the washing of regeneration. The one time this word occurs in scripture, actually, and of course in many other ways, born again, meaning the same thing, but in this technical form. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So regeneration means that I am saved it's becoming a better day already, isn't it? I think so. I mean, how can it not be? Next slide. Regeneration means I have a living hope. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, not us, he has caused us to be born again. There it is again. To be born again to a living hope. 
So when we're regenerated, we have a living hope. Notice, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's all Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. How glorious is this truth? This is the gospel. You're regenerated. You're in Jesus Christ. You have been given inheritance when you were born again, an inheritance that cannot perish, that will not be defiled, that is completely unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you one day so soon. Jesus Christ returns and all that he has promised is yours because, because by his mercy and grace, you've been regenerated and saved and converted and justified and being sanctified and one day soon you'll be glorified. Oh, the day's getting even better now. Love it, love it. Next slide. Regeneration means I'm indestructible. Sweet. Notice. Since you have been born again, 1 Peter 1, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. See what happens here? When the Holy Spirit places a seed in an individual and decides this is going to explode into life, that seed will never be destroyed. I mean, you, you are here right now saved in Jesus Christ. Literally, loved ones, loved ones, you are indestructible. I mean, that's something to boast in. It's not you, it's him. But you're like, I'm indestructible. It's true. I'm indestructible. Life is so hard. I'm indestructible. Life filled with tremendous trials. I'm indestructible. Filled with so much fear and worry. I'm indestructible. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'm indestructible. So I do know what's going to happen in the future. Because the regeneration is seized and planted in me, which is imperishable. Notice through the living and abiding word of God. I think there's one more. I am sanctified. This is key, okay, ready? Regeneration means this. Sanctified means I'm growing more like Christ. No one, notice, by the way, John in 1 John uses this phrase, born of God, probably like 10 times. You can look it up, it's a wonderful study. I circled each one in my Bible recently, love it so much. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Hmm, why? For God's seed abides in him. See, if God plants a seed, it's not gonna go backwards, it has to produce fruit. You can't stop the process of regeneration. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God sees abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. Isn't that so interesting? So it doesn't mean we don't have hard days. It doesn't mean we don't have times of failure. What it means, though, if my life is identified with habitual sin, if I have indifference to sin, if I'm unrepentant, if I don't really care, if I don't have remorse, if I'm living my life with a tag on it of I go to church and I say some prayers, but the reality is my life is filled with sin, that's a very, very important time to take a spiritual time out and say, what am I really doing? Because the Bible says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Because when God causes somebody born again, they're going to be different. Every single time. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. How clear is God's word? How clear is God's word? That's why there was a um, powerful pastor, Pastor Roland Hill, a couple hundred years ago. He was a preacher and a guy came up to him on the street and, and he was totally drunk. And he came up to Pastor Roland and he says, I'm one of your converts. And Pastor Roland looked at him and he says, you might be one of my converts, but you're not one of God's. Clearly, as you are filled with drunkenness, you're a convert of man, not a convert of the Holy Spirit. He went on to say this too. He says, if you can be converted by man, you can also be unconverted by man. But when you are converted by God, you will never be the same again. Now, the life in Christ is like bouncing a yo-yo walking up the stairs. There are ups and there are downs. 
But at the end of the day, the trajectory over time will be more like Jesus Christ. Because when God makes someone born again by His imperishable seed, that person will be changing into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it seems slow, sometimes it seems rapid, but it will go in the direction that God has chosen. What God has started, He will complete. Philippians 1 verse 6. The power of Holy Spirit regeneration. I'm given spiritual sight. I receive spiritual life. And thirdly, this. I have to acknowledge, though, that it's a spiritual mystery. I have to acknowledge that regeneration ultimately is a spiritual mystery. Look what Jesus says, verse 8. He says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See what Jesus does here? He used the example of explaining Holy Spirit and regeneration with the illustration of the wind. Consider the mystery of the wind itself. You can feel it, but you can't see it. You notice its impact, but not its source. You can observe the wind happening, yet you don't know where it came from and where it's going. This is why weather forecasters are the punchline of many jokes because they ultimately, with all the technology, they cannot figure out the wind. Notice you can't control the wind and the wind carries a sovereignty with it. The wind blows where it wants to blow. So there's a mystery about the wind. You can't grasp it. You can't really fathom it. Yet the results of the wind are undeniable and so clear. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So it is with Holy Spirit regeneration. So what is Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us this. The regenerating action of the Holy Spirit is as sovereign as the wind. His action is deeply mysterious. We can't control the Holy Spirit, but we can observe Him. Because notice in verse 8, Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. So who knows, maybe at that exact moment, Jesus and Nicodemus were talking, a gust of wind came upon them. Who knows? The wind blows where it wishes, but you hear its sound. Here's what we take from this. We don't understand Holy Spirit regeneration, but wow, we can see it, or at least we can hear it, and when it comes upon us, we can see its impact. It's a mystery, but it's marvelous. Because again, when the Holy Spirit comes to town, things are a-changing. When the Holy Spirit comes into a life, they receive a new heart, they become a new creation, and they receive a new life. Just think about in this room right now. Think about in this room, the undeniable and in some ways unexplainable work of the Holy Spirit. Think of the transformation represented in this room of hundreds and hundreds of individuals that have gone from death to life, from darkness to light. A spiritual explosion has taken place, and the fruit is awesome. We can't fully explain it, but when it happens, we can point to it and say, look at the results of what the Holy Spirit has done again. So maybe you're here today, and maybe you've never been taught this before. Maybe you're not sure where you stand. I implore you, hear the words of Jesus where he says you must be born again. Now, 
you can't produce this, but you can beg for it. And what does the Holy Spirit to bring regeneration upon people's lives? The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the Gospel. And the Gospel has been proclaimed to you in probably a dozen different ways even today. But let me say it one more time. For every person who understands that they are a sinner in need of forgiveness of their sins and they are sorrowful for their sins and they know that Jesus Christ came to live a perfect life to die on the cross for their sins and to be raised from the dead by defeating death once and for all for every person who looks upon Jesus Christ and believes that he died for them and they place their faith in him those people will be saved. This is the gospel. This is what the Lord uses, the Holy Spirit uses to call people to repentance and faith and the Holy Spirit moves in, regenerates, allows people to see and hear and then come to spiritual life in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, John Newton, when he was on his deathbed and the amazing life he lived, he ultimately said, I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. And that's the gospel. If you want to boil it down, Jesus died in my place. To the unbeliever here today, I implore you, beg God for life. Beg Jesus Christ for life. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen someone sincerely desiring salvation and Jesus Christ be turned away. The Lord is in charge, but I'm just telling you, I've seen a lot of people turn God away in pride, but the broken, repentant life, wow, wow, did they find a spot in the heart of God. For the believers here today, for the believers, think of all you've heard today. Now's the time to once again thank the Lord that he has allowed you to be regenerated. Thank him for life. Thank him that you have breath. Thank him that you can sing his praises. Thank you that you can hear the word of God. Thank him that you can see the love of Jesus Christ. Thank him that you can feel the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank him that you are not dead. Thank him that you are alive. Thank him for all the things he has done for you which you and I don't deserve. Thank him that he has covered every single sin that you and I will ever commit because of his grace, his mercy, and his love. Thank him for the peace you have. Thank him for eternal life. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. What else there ultimately is there to thank him for? This is the power and the reality of why he did what he did, that we might worship him and give him glory. Every person in this room has the choice today to do that and then be filled with the joy of placing their worship in the only one who is worthy of it. One God and three persons. The application for this message is in every single life who can listen to this right now. So the choice is ours now. Do we respond in obedience? And do we let our voices raise with an extra sense of volume because there's no God like our God? And he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, to receive an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Lord. Loved ones, Christians are not just to be nice people. They are supposed to be new people.